Welcome to episode 145, and I wanted to do this episode while Dancing with the Stars was still fresh in my mind. It's, what is today, Sunday? So I guess less than a week after uh, the finale, and after that I was the champion, and Sharna was the champion, and I wanted to do this one to serve not only you guys and tell you some stuff that I haven't got to talk about yet, but also to, listen, if anyone else is going to do that show, they should be directed to this next podcast, right, I'm about to do because hopefully I'll be able to share some stuff with you that will uh, help you out as you're about to do the show. Because there are people that helped me, but everybody that helped me was pretty conventional. Um, and as you know, if you watch the show, I was definitely unconventional on that show. Uh, this episode, episode 145, brought to us by ooh, LifeLock. So the Secret Service has issued a warning that crooks are using the U.S. Postal Service's informed delivery service to commit identity theft and credit card fraud schemes. Informed delivery lets residents view scanned images of incoming mail. Recently, seven people were arrested for allegedly stealing credit cards from resident mailboxes after signing up as those victims at the post office at the USPS's website. So, you know, you always got to look out. We do more things which could expose our personal info during the holidays, like shopping online and booking travel. So you got to have a heads up. The holidays can be a big season for cyber criminals. Good thing, LifeLock Identity Theft Protection has the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices. Of course, no one can prevent all identity or cyber of course no one can prevent all identity theft or cybercrime or monitor transactions at all businesses. But no matter the season, LifeLock with Norton Security is the right choice to help look out for threats that you might miss on your own. LifeLock.com and use the promo code Bones for an additional fifteen percent off your first year. That's right. Promo code Bones for an additional fifteen percent off at LifeLock.com. Alright. Have a drink of water and we begin. Alright. Now, if there's anything that I forget to say, because Mike D kind of lived this with me a bit. We, we lived in a two-bedroom apartment in, in Los Angeles a bit. It was called Glendale. And we had to live different from all the rest of the cast because I had to work the whole time. I was the only one that was working full-time. Uh, DeMarcus was doing a couple days a week coaching with the Broncos. But other than that, everybody else was kind of at it, um, at, at just the dancing. So... Uh, Mike D and I moved three months ago or so to a tiny apartment in Glendale, California. And in the morning, we would go to Burbank and do the radio show. And then I wouldn't see Mike again until sometime later. <laughs> and I would walk in exhausted. You walk in exhausted every night. For three months. So hold on, major water. So uh, let me start at the beginning. They started talking to me about Dancing with the Stars actually months ago even before I went on American Idol. And the executive producer of that show, one of them, Dina Katz, was like, yeah, I think you'd be good on Dancing with the Stars. And Rob Mills at ABC. And I was like, yeah, sounds fun. Well, between that time, American Idol happened, and I went on there, and some other things started happening in the TV world. And I went from nobody caring about me at all, which has been pretty much my whole career, just the only people that cared, like the, like the people people, I'm talking about like network people, to I started to get oddly a lot of show offers at once. So I had to decide what I wanted to do. And I really wanted to do Dancing with the Stars just because I thought it would be fun. I didn't think it would be as hard as it was. I thought it would be pretty hard because I'd never danced, but I didn't think it was going to be as grueling as it was. And um, yeah, I, I chose to do Dancing with the Stars. I didn't know if I could with the American Idol schedule because in that same amount of time, I had signed a deal with American Idol ABC to do Full-Time Idol. And some of the dates were on top of each other, which later ABC worked them out for me. But um, 
yeah, I chose Dancing with the Stars, and I didn't officially get to take it until like two weeks before I started training. I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to do it. And so I had never met Sharna until like the day I met Sharna on the show. And so they uh, flew to Nashville. I remember doing the radio show, and I was like, wow, today I'm going to start training for Dancing with the Stars. But I couldn't talk about it because the first two weeks up until the announcement on Good Morning America, you can't say anything about it, and you have to practice in secret, and nobody can know. I think only a couple people here knew. And so you kind of have to go, well, seen a couple hours, but I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. This is not weird. Bye. And disappear. And I, I remember I was, we were in a dance studio in Nashville for the first couple of weeks because we hadn't moved to Los Angeles yet. And I, I hadn't really seen the show enough to know the dancers by like how I know some people you know love the dancers on the show because they've been there for so long. I didn't know who Sharna was. She didn't know who I was, obviously. And so here was this Australian professional dancer and this goofy southern radio dude. And so the thing about Sharna is. What I knew immediately because I Googled everything was that all of her last partners, you may look this up, Mike, her last partners were all pretty much professional athletes. So I knew that she had been close to winning a bunch but had never won. And that was kind of her story that I knew about her was that she was always the one like the DiCaprio. Like everyone thought she was, if not the best, one of the best, but she had never won. And... She had been given some great partners as far as physically. Like, I believe she had Josh Norman, who was an NFL player. Do you have the whole list? Yeah. Work, working backwards. So Josh Norman, uh, NFL player. She Derek had, Fisher. Uh, Derek Fisher, NBA player. Antonio Brown, NFL player. James Hinchcliffe, yeah. uh, race car driver. Nick Carter. Nick Carter, dancer, backstreet boy. So that, my point is, everybody that she had before me kind of knew physically what they were capable of. They were rather, They all did it professionally, as a matter of fact. They all were paid to physically do things. And then she gets me. And I think that we were both kind of stunned at what we'd gotten ourselves into. Um, and again, we didn't really know each other yet. And so I was clueless. I mean, I ended the show still somewhat clueless. But after, I did the math, 600 hours of training, and we never took a day off in three months because we couldn't afford to. Because everyone else was so much better than us, they were so far ahead of us, that we couldn't afford to take a day off because we weren't going to catch them. We were just trying to put ourselves in a position whenever showtime hit to be ready to do the show. Um, and that started, we woke up, did the radio show, and we started every Tuesday. It was like, boop, back at it. We kind of had this grid of the way we did things. And so we started practicing, and our, I remember them saying our first style of dance was a jive. And I was like, I never heard of it. I heard it like, Hey, why are you talking that jive? Or like, hey, why? I don't know. Like in the seventies, people would say like jive. I know what that was, like the hand jive from Greece, <laughs> you know. So, I, and I remember I lost twelve pounds in two and a half weeks because I didn't really eat. I didn't really have time to eat. I was so tired. I didn't want to eat because I was working and and dancing a jive, which, by the way, I learned later is the most physically demanding of all the dances because it's so fast. It's a lot of jumping around. And I lost a bunch of weight quickly, and so much so that uh, later on, Sharna, eh, not the whole time, but like weeks four, five, six, she would order food and have it sent to the room, and we'd have to stop practice, and she would make me eat because I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop. Like I was there to work, and that was it. Um, 
And I really wasn't hungry while I was working. So we go and then we move out to LA and I remember leaving the house going, well, not going to be back very often if I last. And we moved out to this tiny apartment. It felt like college again. And I mean, they paid for the apartment. We got there, it was fully furnished. Uh, cable. There was even like a cordless phone, which I thought was weird. Yeah, right all the time. Yeah, yeah it's it a cordless landline. And so uh, and we lived there and I would go to work and I would Uber every day. My Uber bill was so high. They gave us a rental car. They gave me a rental car, but Mike D pretty much kept the rental car. And then I just Ubered to Burbank to where the radio station was. And I was in sweats for three months. I don't know that I wore jeans more than three times, like normal human clothes, more than three times, <laughs> except for dressing up for that show on an occasional work event. And so I'd stay in sweats and cut off shirts and hoodies. And you couldn't wear logos or you have to wear everything backward. So all my clothes, were, it was always backward, inside out. And so I'd go to this practice place and... You know, I was kind of looking at my uh, calendar. We rarely practiced less than six hours, um, almost never. And there were days we practiced up to 13 hours, depending on where we were in the, in the week. And we had to travel a lot. And there were some people that traveled as well. Like John Schneider traveled a bit because he didn't want to stay in L.A. Um, but, and we can go to the cast too, and I can tell you stories about all of them. And I, I mean, listen, what do I care now? show's over. I can say whatever I want. Um, you know, and I wish there was a... No, I don't wish it. I'm kind of glad there's not. But it was such a good experience to me because of the people, meaning the crew, the cast, the producers, they were all so awesome. And there's nothing really behind the scenes to tell you about anything that really irritated me about that. They were from the executive producers down to the stage manager to what they called the troupe, the backup dancers. To later on, the other partners of the other stars, once they would get eliminated, they would help me. And, you know, I would use them as tools. Um, so there, it's such a positive experience. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's such a positive experience. And there are things I'll talk about um, that are a bit juicier, I guess. But it was such a positive experience that I, you know, there have been people that have finished that show and have come off like angry. And not me. I had the greatest time when I wasn't about to vomit because I was so tired at the greatest time. Um, so yeah, uh, like we would uh, start on Tuesday and by Thursday we'd have to have it shot sometimes on Friday and you know, there were rehearsals and dress rehearsals and, and there were uh, clothing, their fittings and their wardrobe department's amazing and they make everything by hand. They don't go to Kohl's and buy the stuff. Everything is made, it starts with fabric. Everything you saw me in, it just started with the fabric. And they made it all. And we'd go and put it all on, and I'd have mine on, Sharna would have hers, and she would go, ah, let's change this. And they would freaking change it. And they would restone things. I'd never wore so many rhinestones in my life. <laughs> never been shirtless, been public, more in my life than when I was on that show. So um, it was a really great experience. I did win unconventionally. Now here's where it starts to get a little a little different from my approach to the show. And that I knew I was never going to be able to catch up with the great dancers on that show. I knew from the beginning they had trained for 10 plus years, the ones. I think that all three of the people I was in the finals with had years and years and years and years of training, maybe 10 plus. Because they said that Alexis had, this is just people talking to me, that Alexis had 10 years of ballet. Milo's been dancing since he was tiny. Ivana, she was like the second favorite to win the show when it started. Uh, not sure what her dance experience was, but she obviously had had some uh, by talking to them. 
so I was the one that didn't have any dance experience. And so what I had realized early on when I would watch Tanache or Juan Pablo dance is that I was never going to be that good. And I felt like if I could get through week two or three that I could figure out a side way to win that show. Meaning that show usually is won by somebody who can dance really well. I don't know that they've had anyone win that show that really couldn't dance in a long time, like with no dance experience. The only one I can think of, and I'm not sure, is Bindi Irwin. Other than that, just by looking at all the, the data in, on Wikipedia, in like 15, you're either an athlete or a dancer in some capacity. And I wasn't that, and I was determined to figure out how to win. Now, here's what I figured out, was that if I could get eights and even sevens, that put me in a place to win every week, meaning the show is split in half. Half judges, half fan vote. And I knew if I could get an eight in the best, if they got a 10, that only put me at a 20% deficit on the first half. But I felt that I could get more than a 20% lead over them in the fan vote. It, of all of them, Juan Pablo, Tanache, I felt like people would identify more with me than they would with them. So they could go and dance their brains out because they were such good dancers. But if they were getting 10s and I was getting 7s or 8s, that was only a 30%, at most, 30% difference. I felt like I could beat them by over 30% in the human vote. The human vote, what people don't realize, and even people on the show, is actually worth more than the judges' vote. Even though it's 50-50, there's a ceiling on the judges' vote. There is no ceiling on the fan vote. There's no top line you can get on the fan vote. You can win the fan vote. You can win it by 70% to the second place person. There are no rules. You may not. You probably won't. But there are no rules on the ceiling of the fan vote. So that's how I approached it. I knew that people would not vote for me if I was mailing it in and not trying hard. So I was working as hard as I could to get better, and I did get better. But I also knew I was playing a different game than everybody else. As they were all playing checkers, I was playing chess. We were all trying to dance as good as we could. But I knew that their years and years of experience I couldn't catch up with. But my years and years of experience of being a performer and playing two people and four people and surviving based on that, they couldn't catch up with. And so while they were all hyper-focused on dance, I was working as hard as I could on dance, but you're crazy if you don't think I was going, what can I do that people will really be entertained by? What can I do that people will love? And every week it was work, 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 and try to figure out what would be super entertaining. Now, never in the dance, and there were things in the dance I couldn't control. My mouth being open the whole time, couldn't control it. Tried so hard to keep my mouth shut. I think that's just what I did when I was happy and I was moving around. So, um, week one, if I'm to go back and, and look at some of the things, I, I didn't plan to fall down, obviously. I had never done that dance. I was in all red. We were doing a jive to Travis Tritt, T-R-O-U-B-L-E. And they gave me a super country song, because I love country music, obviously. And I was like, okay, cool. And I love that song. It's 90s country. It's right in my wheelhouse. And so we, uh, we did the, I, I never nailed the dance in practice. Never, not one time. And we got on the show, and the best I ever did it was that first show. I remember the music going, and I was like, oh my God, here we go. And I remember finishing it and going, I can't believe I just did an episode of Dancing with the Stars, and I did it my best ever. And I started celebrating it probably two beats too early. And Sharna was still bent over backward. And so she was bent over backward. I started pumping my fist. It was probably a little too early. So finally, 
she's able to get back up. And I run into the, in, across the floor. And by the way, there were no rules for me in my head. If you don't know the rules, there are no rules. I didn't know the rules of that show as far as where you could go and couldn't go. So no one told me what I couldn't do. So I was like, this whole, this whole like, ballroom is kind of my canvas. I can do whatever I want. And I felt like that, by the way, the whole show. Because no one ever came to me and said, stop. So I took off running through the middle of the floor. And I was like, oh. And then I um, was jumping around and I fell and I hurt my shoulder. My shoulder still hurts today. I had to stop acting like it was hurt because I did not want it to be a storyline on the show. Still hurts today. And so I hurt my shoulder. But we went over and we got our scores. And I think we got all sevens from the, the, the first show. Do you know? You don't have to look it up. Not sure. But I think it was like all sevens. But they were very complimentary. And the bit that... Eddie and I do on our morning show is from that whenever they would just say, uh, Bobby, you've changed the world. The world's a better place. You just killed all diseases with your dance. Two. I'd be like, oh, because they think they're going to give me big scores and they wouldn't. Um, so I go out and everyone was like, wow, that was crazy. No one's ever reacted like that after a dance. No one ever came to me and said, don't do that. I think people watch the show and they go, oh, we can only act a certain way because of ways we've ever seen on the show. I was the opposite. I was like, I'm going to be exactly how I want to be until they tell me not to be. So no one said anything about it. So we go into week two, and I believe week two was the, and I'm not going to go through every week, but um, we go into week two, and I believe week two was the, the fox trot, where I ended up flossing at the end of the dance. That's not the week two or week three. But we go into the fox trot, and they have me at the end of the show, and this is when people, the other dancers, start to whisper their conspiracy theories of, ooh, if you're at the end of the show, that means they're putting you at the end because they want everybody to hang around. I didn't know whether to believe them or not. I was, knew I was only a couple weeks in, but I was like, oh, it started to get into my head a little bit. And our dance was super slow. And it was a foxtrot. It was New York week. And it was, um, and if I'm factually inaccurate on these weeks, Mike, you can tell me. You're right, it's week two. Okay. So it's New York week. And that, that was my, uh, we had New York, New York from Frank Sinatra. And I'm out. And we're doing the foxtrot, and it's this slow dance, and we're last. And I'm thinking to myself, as much as I've learned it, and as much as Sharna has been working to teach me these little things, that I felt like a slow dance was kind of boring for the last dance. Which, by the way, sacrilegious to say to a dancer. And I said that once to her. She was, I don't think she liked that. That I said because it was slow, it was boring. And I was like, at the end, I wanted a big number. And so about halfway through the dance, I go, well, I haven't really nailed this dance. I've done pretty good. And I got to give people something to remember. Because you got to remember there were still 13 people. I don't know, they, I don't, 12 people left. And so as Sharna sat down at the very end of the dance, I flossed. And I was running backward when I did it. And it was a tough, I got to tell you, one of my most athletic moves of the whole dance season was flossing, running backward, and coming to a stop right there. And so I flossed, and we got up, we got our scores, and they were like, what just happened? And Sharna was so mad at me. And we'd only known each other three or four weeks at this point. And me, I'm thinking, I'm just trying to stay memorable. I did the whole dance as best I could. This was a game, it was a TV show, and it was a game that me and my listeners were trying to win together. And so we got our scores, and then she was off, and she didn't talk, she wouldn't talk to me. She was so pissed. And we, you know, everybody left, and I was like, well, great, we're never going to talk again, because she was, she was mad. And not, you know, I mean, just justified, sure. So she came over, and I was like, hey, listen. We both were like, hey, listen. We both had something to say. 
And she was like, this is my craft. And I was like, completely respect that. And I was like, do you want to know my craft? That. I said, people are going to remember us. And she was like, okay. It was a good moment for us because we kind of went, it kind of clicked for both of us that we were both in it together. We are both working as hard as we could. And that we kind of had to trust each other. I had to trust her at times when I was like, ooh, this does not feel comfortable with the dance part. And she had to trust me when I was like, just go along with it. And I also promised her then there'd be no more super surprises like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I promise you, anything I do that's like related, I'll let you know. I never did anything during a dance again the whole, the whole season. But so again, I remember telling my, my, like my, my people, my team, if I can get through the first two or three weeks, I can win this show. And they were like, okay, okay, can't dance. I was like, I just feel like I'm going to put in enough work to get good enough to compete in the dancing, but to win, because in my mind, it was already split into two halves. All I needed to do was compete in the judges' half and dominate the fan vote half, because I had the people. They did not see us coming as far as they didn't see the support that we bring, that I bring with my people. They had no idea. And we show up, and you know, on the finals, there were four of us. What's funny is everybody had their own fan base. I had the least amount of Instagram followers in the final four. Everybody else had over a million Instagram followers. So people would be like, oh, you brought your fans. Yeah, so did everybody else. Alexis has like 12 million Instagram followers. You know, Milo has a huge Disney following. Avon is from Harry Potter. They all had huge, way bigger social media numbers than I did. My, my, what I'm like lucky to have is people that I get to talk to and we feel like we're friends and we know each other. And it's how to use those people. Because my people came to bat for me hard, so hard. I mean, I was surprised. I was never in jeopardy the whole year. There were only two people that weren't in jeopardy the whole time, which were me and Milo. And until he was finished second at the end, he was, we were both, so I started to realize, okay, I must be getting a pretty good vote because he, Milo's really good in getting nines and tens. I also think it hurts you early if you're so good because you have nowhere to go. People just expect it out of you. And if you get nines and tens early and then you get nines and tens again, they're like, yeah, we expected it. Good. Good for you. We knew you were good. I also think that if you get really high scores and you're good, people think, oh, they're good. They don't need the votes. I'll vote for somebody who needs it. So there's something to say for, you know, somebody that's rolling in with sevens and eights because people will go, oh, I'm going to give them some votes because they need it, which really, again, the fan vote is the biggest part of the show. You have to be in striking distance with the judges' vote. But if you can clean up on the fan vote and be... Like for me, I was such a normal human on that show because I'm just not cool. There's no part of me that's slick or polished. And about week four is when I go, when I go okay, I really can win this thing if I just play this, work as hard as I can on the dance. And I would get so pissed when I wouldn't get scores that I thought... We're good. Like we did the Halloween dance, and I think we got like seven, eight, seven or something. I'm not sure of the score. Maybe I don't know. If we, whatever it was, I was visibly upset on screen. I watched it back. I was visibly upset. What I get? You got eight, seven, seven. Okay, I was I was upset because I was like, that's the best I could have danced, and I still only got eight, seven, seven. The only thing that we see on that show, the only data that we have to justify our week was those, judge, those judges' scores because they never share us the votes. They never tipped me off one bit that I was going to win the show, that I was crushing votes. They never said anything to me about that. And so you go and 
the only thing that you can rely on is those judges' scores as being part of the score. Now, I was still playing the, the, the hidden secret vote game. I was just counting on and hoping that people would vote for me. And I was never in jeopardy, so I started to go, okay, well, what can I do this week? I'm going to dance all week. I'm going to train hard. And then I would do a little something. I would say a little something. I would, I'd be funny. I'd talk to the judges in a weird way. I'd go up to the judges' table, things that were just different, that people that listen to the show or listen to this podcast already knew that I was going to do, but it was people that watch the show and only watch the show. They'd be like, whoa, look at this guy. Because I think I was just brought on to be the kind of funny guy that would last a few weeks and then slowly be shipped off to sea, I think. Because, well, I've never danced. It wasn't like people think of country music and go, hmm, let's get some... Because we're our own little world. And everybody kind of counts us out or does, they don't think about us at all. And so week four or so, there's one part where we were doing a magic trick. I think it was in week two. It was Las Vegas night. Our magic trick fell apart behind us as we were doing it. We couldn't get around. It was this thing where we cut a girl in half and we have to dance around it. We, we couldn't get the thing apart. Somebody handed somebody a wrong blade. We couldn't split the, uh, the what do you call that thing she was in? She gets in and you cut her in half. Whatever she, that thing's in that she's in. looks like a casket. Uh, we couldn't cut it in half, so we had to dance around it, and we were off like by three or four beats. We danced the whole song off by a few beats because we were just like, just keep going. Just keep going. Act like, it's like sometimes um, if you just act like you're supposed to be there, people believe you're supposed to be there. Happens a lot of times at concerts. Just act like you know you are. People watch through. She'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we just, Charm was like, just go. And she would talk to me a lot of times through her teeth. So she would smile real big. I do it right now. But she would talk with her like a ventriloquist. And at times it was wonderful during a dance. And at times she would, you know, like scold me. <laughs> so uh, we, we do that dance and we get through. And that's about when I go, okay, I think we can do this. Um, still, no one saw us coming, but they kept putting me at the end of these shows. Every week, I was either last or next to last, and then I would be first. And then I realized, you know, they they start the show off with a bang, or they end the show with a bang. Um, and so, I think if I were talking to people who were just starting the show now, you have to dance and you have to get better because God knows I tried so hard to get better, and I did get better. You know, I trained. We, I did. I looked at all my schedule over six hundred hours. In three months. And so, but you have to really do something extra because you can, there's a ceiling with the judges' votes. And that's, and the people that get mad at the show, they're like, oh, I'm never watching it again. You knew the rules before the show started. You just don't like how the rules played out. And I was very different on this show. I've been very different with everything I've ever done. Anytime anything happens to me, people are upset because I, I, I go into it a bit different. But you knew the rules of the show. I get so many like Instagram messages like, worst dancing with the stars ever. Change the rules. No, you loved the rules before the show started. You can't be mad now because the rules for once didn't go the way you liked it to go. So I would tell someone, if you're listening to this now, and you're going to go do the show, or if you're just a fan of the show, that the people matter way more than the structure. That's just in general, period. Not just dancing with the stars, but in life. like People are so much more important than some set of rules that die. And so, judges, eh, 35%. People, 65%. That's where I would put it if I were making my own scale of what's important and what's not. If you don't continue to get better dancing, they're going to vote you off. you got to keep putting the work. But you cannot underestimate the power of the people watching that show and voting on that show. 
And you also got to put in some work to vote for them. And I think that was the demise of the really good dancers on the show, like the Tanaches and even the Juan Pablos. They were so good, people didn't feel like they needed to vote for them. And then they were just strictly dance. And there's always great dancers on that show, always. Every year there's fantastic dancers. And people see great dancers all the time. Most of the time, a great dancer wins the show. But people were shocked when they went home. I, went, I was shocked because they were so good. I thought they both went home too early. But I wasn't shocked they didn't win. I wouldn't have been shocked if they had won as well. But just knowing how that show works now, I'm not shocked by it. You have to put in the effort to, to really sell yourself. It's like running for a political office. Like We don't just take the person with the best resume and go, you are now the leader of the free world, or you are now our senator. You take the person with the resume that you feel comfortable with versus do you like them? You know, or plus, do you like them? And whoever has the best resume plus who you like the most, that's who gets voted into office by the people. So if anything, the show is very much like that. Um, we, uh, what am I skipping over here? Because I don't have any notes. I don't want to come into it with any notes. We go and... Where do I want to go next? How about they stick us with these partners? This is the first time that I've ever said this. We have never, you don't meet the partner beforehand, right? And I'd never met Sharna beforehand. We'd never talked. We'd never texted or been on social media. And so um, I, I am in this dance studio in Nashville and she comes in. And by the way, they have cameras on you the entire time. Something I didn't realize was that every practice, every practice, you have to be mic'd up with a camera on you at all times. So there's 600 hours of footage of me just getting mad at myself in a, in a practice room, being like, God, I suck. And what the producers would, they would get mad at me because I was actually, I'm pretty good to work with because I know what it's like to work with someone. But I just, in the practice room where they were trying to get all this footage, I didn't say much because I was so focused on trying to get these steps right and trying to get this movement right that I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just kind of watched and studied and studied. And I would go home and write notes. I would write steps down on paper. I would do all these things that real dancers didn't have to do because I could never just see it and feel it. For me, it was angles and turns and putting my foot down in the right spot. And every dance was different. I would compare it to we know how to speak, but we don't know how to speak a different language. Like you can use your mouth to make, make sounds. But imagine every week you were given a Rosetta Stone and you had to learn French. Okay, you learn French as best you could, take a test on it. All right, new day, now start Italian. And that is what it was like learning those dances because you knew how to speak, I knew how to walk, I knew how to talk, I knew how to have rhythm a bit. But all the dances were so different. Sometimes you put your heel down first in the dances. Sometimes you count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Sometimes you count one, two, three, one, two, three. All the counts were different. Everything was different. And some were slow, some were fast. Um, so every week it was something different. And every, the first day after the show was the hardest because you were learning something brand new and you were completely clueless. And it was the most frustrating day too because I was completely, I would go into it and be like, okay, today's the Viennese, VME, Viennese, Viennese waltz. I'd be like, sounds easy enough. Um, it was completely different than the jive or the foxtrot or the, and sometimes you could take, you know, little parts of other dances, but I would have to name them funny things because for me, 
the chasse didn't mean anything. I needed to call it the, the gummy bear. You know, I'd have to like really dumb things down for myself. And so um, Sharna, whenever she came to Nashville, because I had one goal in mind that was to win the whole show, didn't know how I was going to do it, never really felt like it was bigger than me. But I think one of the things that has been a guiding part of my success is that I'm so oblivious to what's really happening, that I don't know the rules, that that it doesn't put any limitations on me because I'm just like, yeah, let's go. Like, I'm not scared of it. I didn't really know what it was, so I wasn't scared of it. Same thing with radio, same thing with writing books. I know what I was doing. I didn't know how hard it really was. And because I don't know the rules, I create my own set of rules. And so I went into it, I was like, I never thought I couldn't win it. I just thought if I could get through the first few weeks, I could figure it out. So I get this partner, and Sharna comes to town, and I don't even know that I'm going to say this on the radio show for a bit, but Sharna comes to town, and you know she has this like this crazy red hair, red hair, and this this super big presence about her. And she's Australian, and I was like, hey, listen, I want to win this. Like, I'm not just here to promote. I really had nothing to promote. A lot of people go on because they have something to promote, or you know they're doing it for like I, I just did Dancing. I didn't have to Dance with the Stars. I could. I missed the first part of American Idol to do Dancing with the Stars. So I could have been an American Idol already as of right now because I missed all of the audition the, uh, where they go to the different cities. And so I just wanted to do it like for fun, but I don't want to get in anything halfway. And I said, I really want to win this. And I knew she wanted to win this. And so she came over to the house and we were just kind of getting to know each other because according to her, you spend a lot of time, which I later found out, you spend all the time with the partner. Like your whole life is basically you and them. And we were sitting on the couch and I was like, do people usually like fall in love or hate each other or do they end up having sex with each other? Like I just really wanted to know what happened on the show, like behind the scenes. And she was like, it's just like anything else, a little bit of all of it. Sometimes couples hate each other. Sometimes they end up hooking up. So, and I was like, well, uh, they, they can't happen with us. And she was like, if you, we want to win, it cannot happen with us. And we knew too, we felt like they had put us together because we were the two single people. And so I remember sitting at my house going, okay, there's, I'm not, not going to flirt with you. We are not going to date. I'm not going to fall in love with you. And she was the same way. It was like, we're here to win. And if anything romantic happens, if it would have happened with us, it would have been toxic to what we were trying to do. Because then there's another layer that you have to poke through. And we didn't want that layer. We both were just... And the thing that I... And listen, I'll tell you later on. We, Sean and I fought a lot because you just are not with someone that long and not fight. I mean, think about your husband or wife. You're with them all the time. You're going to fight sometimes. But we had decided from the first time that she was here that it just wasn't going to happen. And I told her, I'm not falling in love with you. I don't fall in love with anybody. Good luck. Uh, how about that? And I think she thought... I was kind of kidding at first, and I was like, no, it's just not going to happen. And so, and listen, she was down with it too. First time she met me, what am I? I'm like, freaking howdy doody, you know? Nobody sees me the first time and falls in love, ever. No one's like, ooh, can't wait to see, you know, howdy doody, or uh, what's the guy in Toy Story? The cowboy? Woody? Yeah, can't wait to see Woody naked. <laughs> yeah. That, so, that, so she wasn't, trust me when I say she wasn't trying to get in my pants either, right? <laughs> And so we had decided early, 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 it was never a thing. We were, it was not going to be a thing whatsoever because we were both there to win and to work. 
and think about it. So there's never anything romantic. And I went out and I, um, at the same time, ironically, I had started to go on some dates with someone that wasn't her. And I wanted to talk about it on my radio show that I was actually, because I don't want people to feel like I was always just sitting at home alone. I started to go out with someone just, just a little bit, nothing serious. And it was right at the time when it started. Which, so everyone was just like, oh, it's Sharna. But I tried to give people little clues that would really know me and know the show to know that it wasn't her. For example, I said, I don't want to say who it is, but first of all, she wasn't my girlfriend. And by the way, we're not even dating anymore. Um, I would say, I don't want you going over to her social media and bombarding her. At the same time, I'm giving out Sharna's social media all the time. I was like, here it is, at Sharna. So people would know if they thought about it, why would I say, I don't want to say her name or who it is because I wouldn't want you bombarding her social media whenever I'm giving out Sharna's social media the whole time. So, and a lot of people picked up on that. Um, and also, because she wasn't my girlfriend, I, there was no need for her to be in the public eye. And most people you date, it doesn't work out. And the only reason I was even talking about it was because I wanted my listeners to kind of know what was happening. By the way, the timing was terrible for me to date somebody. Um, but it was never, it was never Sharna. And it's the first time right now I've ever said that, that it was never Sharna. Um, and it's, actually, it's nobody now. And it was never anything even serious. Um, Mike knows who, everybody knows who it was. But yeah, it's not anymore. Did you know it wasn't anymore? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So the thing about Sharna was we kind of had this relationship early that we were we were there to work. And what I respected and still respect the most about her is she is hardcore when it comes to work. And so am I. You may be more talented than me. You are not going to outwork me. That's just not a thing. You will not outwork me I'll, I'll till my toes bleed. So we were just dancing. And at times she was so frustrated with me because I just couldn't get it. I didn't know my left and my right. I mean, it was like a toddler. And so we we struggled. We struggled hard. And I think she would at times would get frustrated with herself that she couldn't figure out how to teach me because I was such a novice. Now people would go like, just have fun. You're out of your mind. If you think you just go and have fun, you're crazy. Just having fun is going out there and just shaking your hips and thrusting in the air. You had, you're with a professional athlete trying to do what a professional athlete does, being judged by other people who have been professional at their job in front of 8 million people. I'd never been so nervous than right before that show starts and even more nervous right before my dance starts because you're in a room. I think Tom Bergeron said it during like the week three. There are more people in that ballroom than in my hometown growing up. And so it's just people in like three layers just looking at you dancing and there are cameras everywhere. But there were some really kind people on that show. Like the producers would come up to me and be like, you got to just hang in there, hang in there. The stage managers, the guys that were... They'd be like, you got it. Like, they were so encouraging. And you just wouldn't think that people would be so caring on a show that had been going so long. Now, not all of them had been, been there for all, all of the time. I think some of them had been there for most of it. Tom Bergeron, the best dude, was so nice, was never not awesome. The finale, we sat and talked for 20 minutes about old school television and talk shows and him coming to do Hollywood Squares to Los Angeles when he was living in Boston. Aaron Andrews, awesome. I wish there were more gossipy stories about people because I would tell you. I'd be like, oh, yeah, they're real. real." Nope, 
It was such a good... The social media team, the girl that did social media, awesome. And I don't know... And everyone acted like I was the nicest guy ever. Listen, I'm, not, I'm just a normal dude. But I think, like in Los Angeles, everyone has to define themselves publicly differently. Meaning, in Los Angeles, like to show you're a big star, you have to be like, I'm a big star, don't talk to me. Where I come from, you talk to everybody. And the bigger the star you are, the nicer you better be. Like a freaking Garth Brooks, nicest dude in the whole world. In our world, if you're not nice, you better be nice. It felt like in that world, if you are nice, you're taught, hey, don't be nice because you need to act like a star. And so I go into this place and I'm just like, what up? Like hanging out with everybody. Like, everybody's the same. From the camera guy to Tom Bergeron. We were, everybody was just, I just wanted to chill and be normal. And so um, I think, you know, for me, that was a, a cool thing because people were, were very warm and welcoming and they were very uh, helpful to me. And I think that allowed me to, to adjust to it a bit more. I never fully adjusted because the time zone was weird and I was always in the back of an Uber and it was tough. I made some good friends. Um, but think about Sharna. I'll tell you the time that, because there were times we really got into big fights. But again, you just aren't with someone that much and, and not fight. We were practicing for the waltz. Not sure which waltz was. Viennese waltz, the Kentucky waltz. I don't even know if that's a thing. But we were practicing for the waltz and we were exhausted. Because again, I was working a radio show. We're flying across the country, back and forth. I was doing comedy shows. She'd fly with me to, I had to do a show in Indiana. So she met me in Chicago to just dance for six, seven hours. And she flew back out and then I had to drive. I mean, it was nonstop. And so, and I don't say that complaining, but just so you know where our minds were, we would get to these practices and we were already exhausted. And so she met me in Nashville because I had to come home for two days for something. Oh, I know what it was. It was the musicians, musicians on call mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And so, um, having a big fundraiser with musicians on call, and we're practicing here. We're both so tired, and she got mad at me for rolling my eyes at her. Again, you know when you're hungry or you're tired and you're just irritable. We were both there. We had both hit our peak. This is like week eight or something, seven or maybe, I don't know. We had both hit our peak of just so tired, and anything was going to set us off. They had traded us producers. We had had one producer named Mike the whole time that we loved, and he got cut for some reason, and we hated that because that was like our dude. And anything would have set the other person off. And she got mad at me for rolling my eyes. And I was like, I don't remember rolling my eyes. I don't roll my eyes. I don't talk to people and roll I've my eyes. I've never seen ever. you roll your eyes. <laughs> but, but I was like, man, maybe I'm so tired to roll my eyes at her. She got so mad. And at the same time, I was getting mad at her because she was frustrated that I couldn't get some steps right. We would do it 57 times, and I couldn't get it. And so we were both, she was like, don't roll your eyes. I was like, stop treating me like a kid. Like, I'm working as hard as I can. And she was like, if you're going to roll your eyes, and she left the room. And the cameras are on the whole time. And I remember going, this is a reality show. Let's show them reality. We're fighting. And so (laughs) still in the back of my head, I'm going, I don't roll my eyes, ever. Here's what happened. We were doing a waltz and I was spinning so much, I was so motion sick that I was trying to catch my balance. And by doing that, my eyes were rolling on top of my head. Like, like, oh. 
And she took that as me rolling my eyes. Just miscommunication is all it was because I don't roll my eyes. <laughs> and I was getting so sick. I'd have my doctor send me medicine for motion sickness. By the way, first dancer she's ever had that get motion sick dancing. <laughs> Not only do we have a, a, a hairline fracture on my foot, a slight tear on my shoulder, but also I got motion sick like crazy. And so, but that was just a product of being together all the time. And I don't even know that she was even frustrated because she would watch her uh, the video on the phone. And she'd be like, oh. I don't know who she was mad at. I don't know. She may not even be mad at me. She could have been mad at herself for me not being able to get it. But we were both just so worn out that we, were, we just took it out on each other. I remember flying from Nashville back to Los Angeles. We sat beside each other. They put us in first class every time, which is super cool, the show to do that. I think it's in everybody's contract. Um, we didn't say a word to each other the whole time for five hours. Got off the airplane, went our separate ways. It was like a marriage. And that was the week that I said that, like on uh, ET or something. I was like, it was like a marriage, man. Most of the time it's great. Sometimes it's not, but you're committed to working it out because you have to, because there's, a, there's an end goal. And so... We, uh, we had some, had some big, big blow-ups. But it always came back to the fact that there was such respect between us that we were there to work and win the freaking thing. Didn't know how we were going to do it. We had to trust each other. I had to trust her that she was going to get me to whatever place. And I would stay if we needed to. There were, again, there were nights we practiced for 14 hours. And there were nights we would go and do dress rehearsal on the show and she would make me, we'd go back to the, be the only ones to go back and train. But I trusted that she wasn't punishing me, that she was actually putting me in the best place to move forward. And she trusted me to do whatever crazy stuff I was going to do. Not even crazy, entertaining. And frankly, things I wanted to do anyway. I can't wait till they send my autographed shoe back. I'm waiting for it. I was like, how often am I going to get, this is me. And I told Mike D I was going to do this. He said, I'm going to put a Sharpie in my sock. And I forgot to get the Sharpie from you. Did you oh, bring yeah. the Sharpie? I did have it. I yeah. to give it and I forgot to get it from you. And I was like, I'm going to put a Sharpie on my sock on the last night. And if it goes well, I'm going to go get him to sign my shoe because how cool will that be to have in my house a signed shoe by all three of the judges? When are they ever going to be sitting together again except for on TV? So we do the MC Hammer dance and everybody's like, they do this thing where they're all like, Bobby, Bobby. And I reach down, take my shoe off, pull my Sharpie out of my sock that I danced in. I felt it too while I was dancing. <laughs> it hurt a little bit. And I went over and I, and I had him sign my shoe on TV because I knew there'd be no other time to get them to do that. But I did what I thought anyone would do if they ran into all three of those judges. You get them to sign something, you take a picture with them. And so, um, and she trusted me to do really whatever I felt to entertain the people watching the show. And she trusted me that I thought that I figured out how to actually win the show by not being the best dancer. It's not strictly a dance competition. Our, it, it's not. It, or they wouldn't put the votes in there. If you don't want to watch a full dance show, go, go to PBS and watch ballroom dancing. And there's your best dance show right there. And so I think if people know that, they approach it. Again, it's, an inter, it's entertainment. They don't put something on ABC in prime time that isn't as entertaining as it can possibly be. Um, and I freaking won the show. I remember the, the uh, I'll, we'll run through the contestants in a minute if you want. I can give you stories about each of them. Um, I remember doing, oh, we did the finale. We're standing there around that ball. Nobody ever told me anything. I also, listen, there are conspiracy theories behind everything on that show where the people are slotted. I, I, I don't think there's a conspiracy 
to have someone win the show. I re- and I say that as someone who won because I don't think that it was they they faced a lot of criticism after I won. And it wasn't comfortable for anyone. And I think really if they were going to do what they thought would be best for the show, they would Milo would have won cuz he was the best dancer and they'd have made me second. That way it's like, "Oh, look at this guy. He finished second. He did really good. Never a dance, finished second." That's why I don't I just I don't believe there's a conspiracy on that show. And I say that as a person who won. I know and, and how weird that is. I just don't because I thought if they would at the last minute they'd have been like, "Ooh, we should give this to somebody who's really good." Cuz I mean, really, Mike, if I would have finished second, everybody would have been like, "That's a great job. You did a great job." Yeah, like you, you somebody up. Yeah, somebody that, the right person won cuz he was the best dancer, which Milo was. And look at you, you did second. <laughs> Come on. They could have done that so easily. And then the next, and then nobody gets pissed. Everybody would have won. Not me and my heart, I wouldn't have won. And, and I felt the pressure to me started at, about weeks five or six when I really felt like my people just voting. And I could see it on social media and I could feel it. That's where the pressure came from to me. It wasn't from me. It wasn't from Sharna. It was like, I really got to work hard and I got to get better because who votes on a freaking TV show? I don't. Like twice. Taylor Hicks on American Idol? That may be it. Uh, think about it. So I knew what I was trying to do. I was asking people to vote for me when I only ever voted if I got super passionate about something. Why was I so passionate about Taylor Hicks, by the way? I don't know, but I was. <laughs> and I'm so appreciative because I know the people voting for me don't normally vote on those shows. They don't. But I felt like I was representing them. And because of that, there was a lot of pressure that I put on myself to really do that and to do them justice. Um, We win. And I'm like, holy crap. And what's funny is I watched a lot of the videos from other couples when they won the show, after after we won. I didn't do it until after we won. And what happens is when people win the show, they hug immediately and go, right, like, yeah. And they like, well, can you believe it? We're both so shocked. We run away from each other. Like I'm like I put my hands in I'm like oh my goodness and she just like starts walking backward immediately goes down <laughs> yeah she was like it, it was like when you like are out of breath you know put your hands on your legs or you're like vomiting that's what she did and for me I put my hands on my head I was like oh my god I cannot believe this actually happened it was like we were separated and it was the opposite of what other what's happened with other couples because we were both in shock that they were actually giving us that trophy and so. We go, and it's a whirlwind. It's almost blurry what happened afterward because you're just thrown to so much press. But what was important to me is that all my people that flew out to California, because I brought out Ahmad, I brought out Jared and Amy, and all these people came out, that I, I left all the press and all to go out and hang out with you guys for a bit because all of that other stuff wasn't going to be there in three or four days. You know, who cares? Dance with Stars won't even matter in a few weeks. To anybody else like i'm still living it a bit but the world moves on i'll be on american idol i'll always be the world's best dancer don't get me wrong <laughs> but you know it go, there's been many other dancing with the stars champions and i think it's something this is a cool memory that we all have together but i wanted to come over on the ballroom and hang out with my people that were there to support me and they're like bobby need to get new press and i was like nope all these people came to see me i'm going to spend some time with them so in the middle of it i went over and, and as it was just it was still haywire on the floor I went over and hung out at the judges' table with everybody. It was just like, how crazy is this? And then I went back into the press, and I got to meet Emmett Smith. I got to meet a lot of cool people on the show. Boys to Men, Emmett, the Blue Man Group, Emmett Smith, um, 
Donnie Osmond. There were so many people that came through. I had Lauren Daigle, who's a newer pop artist now, but who I'm a big fan of. I hung out with her like half an hour on the, f- the finale we were practicing. Uh, I'll probably go through this and look back and realize. M- the MC Hammer tweeted me. That's cool. So many good memories came from this show. And I think there will even be some people that come from this show that I'll be friends with. I think Sharn and I will forever be bonded by us. We, we did the show together. And had we just done the show together, it had always been like, hey, remember that time we did that show together? We'd see each other. But because we won, we'll always be bonded together. There's just something to her winning her first trophy with me and me not, I still don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, if you ever wondered if you could do something, you're like, I don't know if I'm, I could do that. I freaking want a dance show. You can do anything. <laughs> like, you can do anything. I want a dance show. And I didn't win it by just dancing, but it doesn't matter what you want to do. You don't, win, you don't actually get ahead by just doing what you're supposed to do. Because I know some really talented people that haven't quite figured out how to use their talent to get to the highest level. But I know some talented people that also think about things in a different way and are, and are super successful. Um, but I... But aside from that, let's run through the contestants. Because there really wasn't anyone that people didn't like. I didn't talk to Tanache hardly ever. She would come in and out, and she was doing, I think she was like singing and stuff. So she would be the only one that I really don't have any story about. Because we really didn't talk. Never anything negative. Nobody ever said anything negative. And they often said that our cast was one of the, like, the nicest casts, because we were all just happy to be there. Uh, but other than Tanache, I kind of had stories with everybody. You know, it's some kind of bond. All right, go ahead. You got Nikki Glaser, one of the funniest people I ever met in my whole life. Like, there's a, like I do comedy, right? And it's like someone who is really good in their high school, in their high school league. I go out and do shows. People laugh. They're like, oh, it's a funny show. But then once they get up and they see major league players, they're like, oh, my God, this is not the same. I should shut up now and just go back to my high school league and, and have fun there. Uh, comedian, funniest person, possibly the funniest person I ever met. Such so good that it made me realize, mm, I suck. All right, go ahead. Danielle Umstead. Um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time. She got voted off kind of early, but Danielle was, she was blind. And what we talked about a lot was she wants to write a book. And she was like, I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to put it all out there. And I was like, I didn't know how to write a book. Clueless. I said, I've written two now. I said, the same thing about that as I did with the show. Just do it. Just go into it. Do it wrong. Because you do it wrong and you'll figure out how to do it right or you realize the wrong way that you're doing it. It's just the right way no one else has tried yet. And so we talked a lot about that. And we talked, we had a lot, even when she came back, we talked about that, about her book. A super nice, um, I think she got voted off second or third. yeah. Yeah. So again, the quicker people got voted off, except for Nikki. Nikki and I stayed in touch the whole time because we had actually written some stuff with each other. Um, I still talk to Nikki. Nikki was in my final dance. But yeah, Danielle, that's what we really, really talked about. But I like, she was really nice. What else? Mary Lou Retton. Love Mary Lou. I asked her to be in my final dance. She got sick the last day. She was going to be on top of the cake with Nikki. I thought when they cast that show that she was going to win the show because she was the most famous one. In my mind, she was the most famous one. Because she was the one they put in the header. Mary Lou Retton cast on Dancing with the Stars because she was the gold medalist. Now, she was gold medalist, I think, I don't know what year she was a gold medalist. I may not even been able to watch it on TV. 84 or something? 88? 84. Okay, so I was... I didn't watch TV then. I wasn't even in kindergarten yet. 
but she was the most famous. I remember meeting her the first day we went up to do uh, like clothes, like, and she was super nice. And I was like, holy crap, Marilee Retton is nice. Um, but I, yeah, I really enjoyed her and I met her, her kids. Uh, I think she even said on the show she was going through a divorce. Like mm-hmm. on, I, we never saw the packages, even during the show. We could we wouldn't see them most of the time because we had us going other places, like the, the things leading up to the dance. Uh, go ahead, Nancy from the Facts of Life. Nancy McKeon. We were both kind of clueless when we got there, and we were on a bus, and nobody wanted to sit with us. It was like Forrest Gump, and I was walking through, and every, you, you're, you're more intimidated by the fact that you think people don't want to sit with you or don't like you or that you're weird. That's how I felt. I felt like the outcast, and I walked through the bus and all these fancy dancers, which, by the way, I became friends with later and realized they're super cool, normal people, but it was like, can't sit here. That's what it felt like. <laughs> Seats taken, and Nancy... Joe from the Facts of Life was like, hey, sit with me. And I was like, boom, cool person. And she lives in Austin. And so I was like, that's home. So, yeah, it was really cool. What else? John Schneider. When I would watch John dance, he was like the consummate performer. Like he, regardless if he was getting things right or not, his face, everything about him was controlled. And like I would watch him and go, man, I wish I could do that. Because everything about me wasn't. It was the opposite. My face was all over the place. My, my, um, uh, and John was a really nice guy. I know him from watching reruns of Dukes of Hazard. I guess he was on Smallville. Didn't know that. Uh, but he was gone a lot. So I don't have a lot of John stories because he was gone a lot. He, he was staying in Louisiana or Nashville. And so he would travel a lot. But his dance partner, Emma, one of my favorite people that I met that entire show. Because after they got kicked off, she worked with me a lot. Um, but John's a nice guy. I don't have a lot of stories about him because he was gone the whole time. DeMarcus Ware. Maybe my favorite dude that I met. Between him and Joe. Maybe my favorite dude. Nicest guy. Possibly the greatest defensive end, outside linebacker, depending on what defense he was in, that we've seen in the NFL in the last 20 years. And I was like, this dude, I was a little intimidated by him, but nicest guy. Nicest guy. Everybody loved DeMarcus because he was so nice, but he was so big. And I brought him to my final dance because I loved him so much. And he lifted me up above his head. He's huge. <laughs> he's ma- he's, I loved it. Loved him. Loved it. Can't say enough good things about him. Juan Pablo. I really would go to Juan Pablo and say, like, dude, you are so freaking talented at everything you do. And I liked Juan Pablo a lot. Um, when he went home, and I said this on the show, I thought he was way too good to go home. But the competitive part of me was like, I'm glad he's gone. I'd never be able to beat him dancing. So let's just get rid of all the good dancers. Let's just leave me in grocery store Joe. Let's let us battle it out to the death. Uh, I really like Juan Pablo, though. Quiet. And I think some people were afraid to approach him because he was so perfect at everything. He looked great. He danced great. He could sing. He ate great. Everything about him was just right. He could draw. Yeah, he was just amazing. <laughs> everything about him was amazing. I think some people were intimidated by him. I wasn't. I would go up to him and be like, dude, and I would ask him questions about, because he went to like fame school. That you know, He went to the school, taught him how to sing and dance, and he danced in all these Broadway. And I was like, dude, you are everything I'm not, and it's amazing. I liked Juan Pablo a lot. Alexis? We didn't talk a whole lot. You know, she was around, but she didn't say a whole lot. She was very sweet when she would talk, but eh, she, we didn't, you know, there was a, her, me and her partner, I loved Alan. Like, that was a dude. But, yeah, like I said, I didn't talk a whole lot. She was never not nice. But we just didn't, you know, I, what is, she's like 22, and I'm 38. Like, what does she have in common with me? I would try to talk to her a little bit, but, you know, I don't know. We didn't talk a whole lot. Ivana? Love, we got to team week. She became a best friend. Uh, and then we became so close after, and I, she, they were the only couple that I genuinely rooted good for. Everybody else, I'd be like, uh, I like you, hope you fall down, ha ha. <laughs> um, her and Keo, I, would watch, I didn't watch a single dance the last four weeks. I watched no, nobody else's dances, ever. 
because I realized it was doing nothing but affecting me in a negative way because I knew I couldn't do that. I was just going to do what I did, except theirs. I would watch theirs, and I would root so hard that they would do good because I, they were just so awesome. I loved them as a team. She was from Harry Potter, never seen Harry Potter, so to me that wasn't a thing. Um, it was really cool, and that's the only dances that I watched the final like month of the show. She's a vegan, and she would lecture me on veganism, didn't care. <laughs> she was the best. And I'd go like, how do you know plants can't feel? We just can't talk to them. You know, we, how we communicate. She's like, well, they have no... And I'd be like, hmm. Anyway, there's a whole thing. <laughs> Loved her. She wrote a funny Instagram post on one of her last Instagrams. about. She was like, hey, congratulations to Bobby. I would watch you in Team Week and you how you were clueless. And you would work double the time just to try to catch up. She was right. I would have to. And I thought her post was so funny because she was like congratulating me, but also kind of taking a funny, like a little funny swipe. Like, you really weren't a good dancer. I know. <laughs> I know. It was good. I loved her. I would talk about her for 30 minutes. Go ahead. Milo. Dude, that kid, he's going to be so famous. He's going to be so, he's 17. He's going to be so famous. Good looking kid, great personality, great dancer, can act, can sing. Like you, we would forget sometimes he was 17 because he was so mature for his age. And his mom was super nice, Cameron Mannheim, who I didn't really know her from acting. I would look her up afterward. Be like, oh yeah, look at that. She's in some stuff. I love that kid. And early on in the show, I would kind of give him tips on how to work with the camera, like during the live show. Like, dude, don't do dead face. I always have something to say. And I started to coach him a little bit. And then I realized he's probably going to beat me. And I was, about week five, I saw him coaching him. Do dead face again. Yeah. Was, go back. Go back. Nothing you used to do. Great kid. Like, great. His mom should be so proud. Should have won the show. Like, he should have If any other season, if I wouldn't have been there and, and approached it a different way, he would have won the show. Best dancer left. All in all, best well-rounded on that show. Like, dancer and lovableness. If I hadn't cracked the code, he would have won the show. Great. Couldn't say enough good things about it. Love that kid. What else? And Joe. That was like my dude. Like we bonded over just life. We were both thrown into something. We had no comfort doing this together, doing it, but we were together. We'd be at the urinal peeing beside each other and be like, dude, you nervous? I'm so nervous. Oh my God. Every week. And then it'd be like, you're getting less nervous? Nah, me either. <laughs> uh, and I put him in my final dance because we, we really bonded they never seen The Bachelor or The Bachelor in Paradise, so there wasn't that where I was like, oh, just uh, he was just a normal dude. Aside from me, he was just a normal, we were the normalest dudes there. And we kept getting put through, and we were both feeling criticism. And he came up to me afterwards, like, hey, man, I know I've been eliminated, but like, I'm rooting for you because like, you're kind of representing us. And so I really liked Joe, really liked him a lot. It took a minute because he's real quiet. And when someone's really quiet, you go, hmm. They had dick. <laughs> or they just quiet? Turns out he was just quiet, but so funny. Really like Joe. On the dancer side of things, I think my favorite people, like um, Emma and Sasha, they're two dancers, two different pros. Emma danced with John Schneider, and Sasha danced with uh, Mary Lou Retton, but they're married. They're, like, I want to be friends with them forever. They were, that, they were so nice. And I get to go back on a tour for a few days, and I really am looking forward to hanging out with them. And Lindsay who was DeMarcus's partner, like they really worked with me. Um, whenever Sharna was like instructing the big group, they would set, pull me aside and work with me. Um, Keo, there were times where Keo had to teach me how to dance during team week. It was me and Keo, dude, he was doing the girl parts. And he was just, he was like, let's, he's like, Bobby, let's do it. And that sounds like an Australian. He's not Australian. <laughs> but like, there have I been mean, so many cool people that, you know, I don't want to miss, Val's like the coolest dude ever, but he got kicked off quickly because he had um, Nancy, I think. So, there are a lot of them. The troop, yeah. it was good. 
Is there anything I haven't said? Anything that, any bombshell that I haven't really said? Nothing I can think of. It was a, the, it was the best experience. I'm so glad it's over. People were going, man, two days after the show, you're going to be wake up in bed and be like, well, what's happening? Two days later, I woke up in the show. I was like, thank God it's not happening. <laughs> I was so tired. I actually went and boxed today for the first time. Like went to a boxing class. My cardio is at A+. Did a whole class and I was like, I'm not even breathing. I have a little gut right now because I've been eating like crap because I'm like, screw it. I don't care right now. But my cardio is A+. I found this little lump on my leg. Have I talked about this little lump I found on my leg? No. Um, I found this little lump on my leg and I was like, oh no. And I was kind of rubbing it and uh, yeah, it's a calf, calf muscle. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, you like that? Very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was an awesome experience. I'm glad I didn't know how hard it was going into it. I'm glad I didn't know how bad I was before I did it. I didn't know I was going to be that bad. To everyone who keeps messaging me going, you suck as a dancer. Shut up. I don't think I'm any better than you do. Like anything else that I do, I'm never the most talented. But I'm going to outwork everyone. And I'm also going to, tr- I'm going to know the rules so well. Like radio, I know the rules so well. I know when I need to go to break. I know the science behind it so well that it allows me whenever I do my creative thing, I can work inside the guidelines. The same with the show. I just learned the science of the show. And I'll end with this. I believe that you have to surround yourself with good people in order to do great things. And I did that. Between you guys, the best. Could not have done it without you at all 0%. I would have done it without you. And Sharna, which would have never happened. I surrounded myself with the best people. Let me also put my radio staff in there because they had to endure a lot of me coming in exhausted. They had to endure me being the high, highest and lowest of moods. I was physically pushed in ways I've never been pushed before. And there's a big shadow that goes to them too. So I believe if you surround yourself with the best people, great things can happen. And if you have people that aren't good around you, it's up to you to change it. You can either change them or change the way that you're working. And so I think that's, I think that's it. How long has this been? A little over an hour. All right. Anything I've not said in the in the tell all? I think the thing I just wondered from being there every week is, do you guys have like a list of like things you can pull from for like the set? Like if you want fire, no, or like water. Um, so there's a creative. I w- I was not a good enough dancer to really know about the creative, but the producers on that show, um, like there's an executive producer named Ashley that is so good at what she does, and like Sharna was the best, the best choreographer, the best idea person. Our final dance. Like, I sent Sharna some ideas. Like, I wanted to talk and stuff, and she created this fantastic dance just for me, like, built for me. And they do um, really wonderful jobs of doing that. I don't know. I have nothing to do with that. But I think they come up with these concepts, and um, they make it happen. I'm not educated enough to give that answer. But no, I don't get to walk around a warehouse and go, I'll take the cow. Yeah. I'll, like take the, the, I'll take the large honey badger. The flamethrower and the can big, I, yeah. brick. Can I get the bazooka? No, I don't. Um, that was just crazy to see them just pull out these big elaborate pieces for one dance. And yeah. It takes this entire team to just get this one car out there or something or set up this like pyrotechnic. It was crazy. No idea. Not educated enough to give that answer. ABC was fantastic. The company, BBC was fantastic. The people that own the show, the people, it was just such a great experience. The hardest thing I would, 
Yeah. Is it? So I think that's it. Anything else you want to ask? That's it. All right. Thank you so much. Hopefully this answers some questions. Also hit me up. Appreciate you. All right. This is episode what? 145. 145. Thanks to LifeLock. You feel like people like this one? I think so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, shout out if I forgot you. I'm sorry. And I got to go. Bye, everybody.